0: or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So I thought I would do something a little bit different. Uh, every so often, I think I'm just going to play some music, and I'll, I'll share something. I don't know if I've shared this before. When I started doing radio many, many moons ago, so it's probably going back to, oh my gosh, 2008. I As, as, a, as a huge fan of music, all kinds of different genres, I was playing music. On Bostonian rap, so there was some music uh that would probably be categorized as world music uh it was rye, so it's music that you can hear uh in the in some of the northern uh countries in Africa uh the northern arab countries uh countries that have been um what's the word i'm looking for? well yeah i guess you could say arab countries uh there was some other music uh there was music in other languages that i would play it was just it was it was a real big mix so i did that for a while and then i said well i i do want to do social and political commentary and i thought about having two separate shows and then I decided to just do the social commentary but I think that I don't know lately I've been just thinking a lot about music <laughs> different types of music uh rye uh, that I mentioned uh it's it's wonderful I really enjoy it um uh, I don't know country um Gregorian chants, just religious music, all kinds of different music. So uh, don't be surprised if, if, you, if you tune into Bostonian rap and you hear uh, a Kenny Rogers classic, and then the next week as an intro, you hear, yes, maybe a Gregorian chant. Um, but let's, let's, let's dive into the commentary. Uh, as, as usual, there is a lot to say. And there's only so much time in which uh, I have to say it uh, until the next time. So I want to talk about etiquette. And people don't really seem to have an idea of how to behave anymore. And I don't know if that's because so much is done online and so, because people don't have to interact with others as much as directly, maybe they feel that they can say and do whatever they want. They can really just not even give common courtesy a second thought. I mean, maybe perhaps that is it. i I, I just I just don't know. Or maybe just in general. Uh, there's just been this erosion of, you know, of, of our ideals. So, you know, the, the, this this idea about thought and uh, thought for others—that is uh, compassion, consideration. I, I, I just maybe it's a confluence <laughs> of factors, but but the but the upshot is is that people are very. Many people are very, um, the most political term I could use is inconsiderate, grossly so. And they're also intolerant. They're intolerant. So it's so interesting because I get people are very tribal. And so before so much of our lives uh, was spent online, we were, of course, what we were doing. We were meeting people for coffee. We were hanging out at the movies. We were going out to eat. We, we were doing all these things in person. And what would we do? How would we spend our time? Well, we would do it with people with whom we have something in common. We would do it with people who are like us, who look like us, And I understand that to a large extent because why would you want to spend your time with someone that you think is very different to you? Because, you know, the natural inclination, I think, is to be with people like you. And so, yes, that does translate into common interests, but also, you know, shared ethnic backgrounds. It could be shared racial backgrounds. Now, personally, I have just always spent my time with a wide variety of people, not all of whom look like me, many of whom have not looked like me. And a lot of whom have not necessarily thought like me either. But that was my choice. Um, But I think that it's only natural, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be, but it doesn't have to, to, to seek out people who think and, yes, look like you. The problem arises when there is a reluctance to venture outside that man-made bubble. That's when there is an issue. That is when there are problems. But I remember thinking that in contrast to the real world, the cyber world was something different because you could connect with people regardless of where they were, they could be great distances away and you could just connect and i think the wonder of that the ease with which something like that could be done and and it wasn't thought that something like that could be done so easily uh certainly um it wasn't even a consideration when i was growing up i mean i'm 51 if anyone would have told me when i was even 34 or 35 that i would be spending most of my time on the computer or a lot of my time on my on the computer and that i would be able to engage with people all around the world i probably would not have uh, taken that person too seriously i might have even laughed I would have maybe tried to politely entertain what he or she uh, was saying, but I, I certainly wouldn't have thought that, yeah, that that's a real possibility. Everything was in the real world. Uh, to, <laughs> so that some listeners uh, who might be younger than I have a, a more concrete idea of where I'm coming from I mean, for me, it was a big deal to start using a cell phone because I was not going to use one. I had a landline, and that was fine for me. And so I was a holdout, (laughs) and I prided myself on being a holdout. And then I got my first cell phone, which I still have. I got it about, oh my goodness, probably about... Like twenty two years ago, (laughs) and I still have it. Uh, A Nokia, a Nokia phone, and uh, the phone I have uh, today—it's—it's like my baby. (laughs) And 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 you know, I I think of when I, I I go out. You know, one of the things that I don't want to leave home without you know, that old joke about the American Express card, and I think I just stated myself there, um, that, that I can explain that joke at another time uh, for those of you who might not get it. Uh, the the phone is something that I don't want to leave the home, home without. It's it's I do so much on it. It's not just a device by which I can telephone other people and receive calls, but I can text, I can look things up, I can set appointments. I can, oh my goodness, what else can I do? I can play games. I can study languages. I can write essays. I can use social media platforms and post content. I can create content to post on uh, different social media platforms. There's so much that I can do I can use it as an alarm clock. I can use it as a stopwatch. So it's just, it's really something that has become invaluable to me and so many others. So this world that we're living in now where so much of it is online, again, as I started off, is is this really why people have become so inconsiderate because they don't have to interact with people so directly. I'm going to say I do think that that is a factor. I do. I also started to make the point about how people are tribal. And so we seek out what is familiar. And maybe that was or is a better way to frame that point we seek out what is familiar so again it's not necessarily a bad thing but yeah when I hit that rewind button and I kind of I you know I'm I'm going back back in time and when I first started exploring this new frontier so to speak online, uh, this new frontier, you know, the internet, I was, ex- I, f- I mean, I, I was excited. I I found it exciting. There was so much information out there and there were so many different people to meet. And it just seemingly was a place where there was an answer to every question. Right? And then when I hit the fast forward button and I'm finding myself back here in 2023, I find that I still have that same excitement. But I also find that that tribal aspect of of people right that 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 desire to be with like minded similar beings how it's not necessarily bad but it can be i find that the negative aspect situations where it actually isn't good it's playing itself out online and how is that happening well it's it's happening because you you have situations where people are gravitating toward people whom they know and they say, okay, this person thinks like me, this person supports the same cause, this person, so on and so forth. And I find that in the real world, it's very easy, if so, if one so wishes, it's very easy to step outside one's, and I'll use the word again, bubble. I'm going to use another word soon, but, you know, for now, bubble. It's so easy to do that, but a lot of times people choose not to. But online, it seems almost criminal it seems almost like this this huge mass of shame not to explore but the negative aspects of human nature the negative aspects of this 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 desire to seek out what is familiar what is similar it's been transferred into the cyber world. You can find it online. And so people spend all day or they spend all their experiences online looking for the posts, the tweets, the memes, The reaction videos, the this, the that, of people who think just like them. They look for them so that they can retweet them. They look for them so that they can like them. They look for them so that they can see themselves reflected. And so we're no longer talking about a bubble. We're talking about an echo chamber and it's just <laughs> it's it's unreal. It's unreal. And 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 I got to admit sometimes it just makes what should be such an exciting thing uh you know the idea or, or or maybe I should uh say it like this what these social media platforms what they can yield that is positive It's so, it's almost thrilling, right? All the different things that you can do. And yet people choose to find people that think just like them. Because they want to hear their thoughts magnified and amplified times 100. So, yeah, it it definitely gets kind of frustrating. And I think that one of the side products of that, which has become a problem in itself, is blocking people. Now, I'm actually going to write a piece on this. I haven't written anything, and I love to write, but I've just been so gosh darn busy with life and trying to do all kinds of different things. And uh, there was, of course, uh, a run for Congress. <laughs> there, I mean, there's just been so many different things going on in in my life. There's been a change in careers that I just—it's it's been hard to catch my breath. And so I've gotten away from something that I love very much, and that is writing— But I am going to start writing again. Uh, It's it's been an unintended, what, has it been, I think, like five-year hiatus. But one of my new pieces is definitely going to focus on this. How we interact, how we choose to interact. How we choose to move. There really is no excuse for people just surrounding themselves with people who think like them. There's no excuse at all. And I'll say this before I get back to my point about blocking because I do want to talk about blocking because that that's really <laughs> a big thing, a big problem. But people often wonder why I'm so confident or they wonder at how I how is it that I appear so confident or how could I be so confident and it comes down to well first of all everything that I've ever had I've earned so <laughs> the the you know the it's it's uh I, I use the word side product just a little bit a little bit ago well you know meritocracy it's that's that's the wonderful beautiful thing or one of the wonderful beautiful things about it if you earn something if you're raised with a meritocratic ideal if you earn something no one can take that away from you you have nothing to prove so that's one thing right there but also intellectual curiosity and wanting to know and and wanting to understand and wanting to listen and for years I worked in a classroom and one of the things that I taught was ESL and I would make the distinction between listen and hear with my students and I, well I I always told my students to be very very precise with their words you know just choose what you say, the words, you know, just choose them all very judiciously. And then really, you know, make sure it's, you know, in the right context, and then, you know, the delivery, excuse me, the tone, all of that's just so important. But, yeah, listen in here. And what I told my students was here was something that was involuntary, Right? Unless someone had some kind of um, disability, had some kind of loss of hearing, was maybe deaf, a person is going to hear something. It's involuntary. There isn't any kind of action that you're doing with intent. Listen is different. When you listen... That is a choice. Just like when you don't listen, that is a choice as well. So get back into to, to get back to the point. Listening. Intellectual curiosity. I wanted to learn what other people thought uh, you know what they think rather and and it's it was for me it was interesting it was informative and i felt like when i walked away i was somehow smarter listening versus hearing so what i told my students i myself it was it was something that i carried around with me as well, that that distinction. Right. So that's why I would say that I'm so confident. It it's not it's not a cockiness. It's not an arrogance. I mean, some people might think otherwise. That's their problem. Certainly not mine. <laughs> but it, for me, it, it really comes from having earned everything I ever had everything I have, and it comes from the second part is, as I said, going toward other people, seeking other people out, wanting to listen as opposed to hear, and being convinced that I have something to learn from everybody whom I encounter regardless of who they are, whether I like them or not. And so that those two things together, I, I'm confident in what I think because I have had to, in different contexts, in earning whatever I have, in listening to other people, I've had to examine my own beliefs and my own practices And my own choices. And I have had to explain them. And I have, because I've sought out other people, I've had to compare and contrast. So that, I think, fosters a certain amount of confidence. It's a good thing. But what I started to say is what's playing out online and this, this wanting to be like with like, it's not playing out in a way that is conducive to conversation. It's not conducive to collaboration, cooperation. Anything that is positive, we're not seeing. And people have become more rigid, haven't they? They've become more entrenched in their positions. So, I'm not going to listen to you. I don't have to listen to you. So now people are blocking each other. And I never thought <laughs> I never thought we would get to the point where we would have elected officials doing that. And there's some elected officials whom I like who are doing it. I don't agree with it, but they're doing it. And then there's some elected officials whom I dislike. And, of course, I don't agree with it. I I mean, I very deliberately said that there are some elected officials whom I like who do it or who have done it, because I want to stress that for me, I don't make a distinction. I don't think it should be done. You know, we're trying to excuse, to justify, to uh, what? What other word can I use? We're basically trying to say that it's somehow different if person X does it because I like person X and I agree with person X. I don't agree with that. Just because you agree with someone, just because you like or support somebody, or maybe both, doesn't mean that it's okay for an elected person to block you from an account that he or she uses in the capacity of being an elected official. There is case law that speaks to it. Elected officials know they should not do it, and yet they do it. It's an infringement upon the First Amendment of your constituents, yet they do it. Now, let me be clear there's no license at all to be abusive, to be threatening. to disrespect the office that one holds. There's no room for that. It's not because someone is a public figure that a person then opens himself or herself up to vitriol. I don't agree with that. Having said that, A person, if a person's going to make a decision, make a statement, the person should expect feedback, all of which may not be positive. And this is Boston. It's not like we (laughs) put an extra dollop of sugar on everything that we say. It's, It's kind of odd because I guess I'm considered very blunt. Um even by Boston standards. And I think that it's because Boston has been grossly watered down. I think probably what saved me is that I spent a a lengthy amount of time abroad. And so while other people were being uh, indoctrinated or bombarded with these messages day in and day out of how to be inclusive and how to hold space and how to lean in. I mean, those are the more current terms. But, I mean, certainly we heard variations on those phrases, uh, terms, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and so on and so forth. I mean, the, the, the movement, you know, to where we are right now, it just didn't, of course, start last night. I mean, it's it's been this steady march. Boston's been watered down. My goodness, when I was growing up, the things that people would say. And granted, there were often times when people should not have said what they said because it was grossly offensive. It was, it was ignorant. It was hateful. It was just rude. But there was an honesty. That we don't have anymore, and we need to find somewhat of a balance. But more importantly, and more germane to the subject, how is it that people are eager to put themselves out in the public arena? They want to you to know that they have this many ideas in the marketplace of ideas, but They don't want feedback unless it's positive. And if it's not positive, they're going to block you. So they create their own echo tunnel. where Everything is warm and fuzzy and everyone just says pleasant and happy things. And people just hear all the time about how they're right and wonderful and perfect and so smart. Except a lot of times that's just simply not true. People have fragile egos and they have big mouths. And those fragile egos are often big egos as well. So it's just really created an environment that's toxic. And that really, as I said, doesn't lend itself to getting anything done. And so I started to say, or, I, you know, I, I think I did uh, fully express this, this idea of how you have these behaviors, these negative behaviors, adverse behaviors that um, take place in the real world, And they made themselves. They made uh, these behaviors made their way uh, into the cyber world, you know, online how people interact with one another. However, I'm going to say that some of what has taken place online it is unique, and I find that. People, it's unique to being online, and people are trying to recreate it in the real world. And so you might have someone who blocks you, and then in the real world, they try to block you as well, so they won't acknowledge you. I had that happen with one of my city councilors. If you're doing that as an elected official, how are you getting things done? How are you representing your constituency? If you're doing it to one person, you doing not just <laughs> you're doing it to other people too. If you feel comfortable doing it to one person, you're not just doing it to one person. Because behavior like that is is, is egregious. It's egregious. And when people feel comfortable, whatever the context, Whoever we may be talking about, when a person feels comfortable engaging in behavior that is so incongruous w- with, with how he or she should be behaving, with how he or she should be conducting uh, himself or herself, you can be absolutely 100% sure that that person is engaging in this behavior with other people. And that this behavior didn't just happen. It just is, you know. This isn't new behavior, but this is this is behavior that is, uh, you know, dates from back whenever, and it's it's just the person's just gotten emboldened over time. But it's interesting, and and I bring this all up because there was. Twitter is just such a such a special place. I mean, I mean, all the social media platforms are quite something, but uh, Twitter. I think Twitter is is. I saw uh, a tweet from Ice T, and I think um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. Probably my proudest moment on Twitter is when Ice T followed me, <laughs> and then Ice T saw that. <laughs> I mean, saw that. Okay this girl likes Trump what am I do? I'm not why am I liking this why am I following this girl So it was it was it was devastating when Ice T stopped Ice T you know if this if this ever got to the ears of Ice T follow me again He's a good actor really I love him in Law and Order But I digress <laughs> Um Twitter is such a special place. And I remember one time when Ice-T said something along the lines of, people come, and, you know, I'm euphemizing, you know, they come, they hop on Twitter, they talk their trash, (laughs) they hop off. And there is some truth to that. I think that Twitter lends itself uh, to a different aspect of who we are, right? I saw uh, another one of my uh, city councilors, she put up this was actually I thought this was cute and it was it was I thought it was accurate too so she put up she did a little collage and it was facebook twitter linkedin and she put up different pictures that would that would correspond to uh the different platforms so like linkedin you you know, you would expect um, someone to, you know, to be chipper and 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 to have a certain look, um, you know. But on Facebook, that invites you know uh, someone to explore uh, another side, and then Twitter uh, invites someone to explore yet another dimension of, of himself or herself. So it was really, it was really kind of um, funny. But uh, I'm going to say this, though, and I'll talk about this a little bit more. I think that at the root of it, it is about. It, it, it's this this idea about blocking, it's not just, well, everyone's doing it, I think it's about people not wanting to listen to each other. I think it's an absence of critical thinking. I think it's a lack of confidence. I think it's a lack of respect. I think it's a lack of etiquette. And uh, it's, it's, it's definitely not one of the, the more positive byproducts of uh, social media. Not at all. Not at all. That's all we have time for today. I'm definitely going to, like I said, I'm going to talk about this subject a lot more. I'm going to do a piece on it. And uh, I, as always, so grateful for you listening. And I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network